Well, uh, my my series of podcasts continues with members of the Coatsiluk City Council. Uh, I'm started off with District One. Uh, I'm District Two, so I'm skipping over myself. Although someone on council says they're going to interview me, so we'll see what happens. So we moved to District Three. The dean, the deaness of the uh, City Council, she's been uh, there for about three decades and hasn't aged uh, a, a moment. Her name is Dita Burku, Councillor for District Three. Welcome, Dita. Thank you, Mike. Happy to be here. Well, great to have you here, and uh, I, I have lots of questions to ask you, but why don't we start off with your district, District 3, which you've represented for many years. What are the important issues that you're dealing with for your constituents? Well, I could say without a doubt that the replacement of the lead pipes is a very important issue in my district because my the housing in my district has, for the most part, been built in the 50s. Uh, including uh, my own house, which was built like in 55, uh, and most of the ones on, are in my immediate neighborhood. And so we all pretty much are dealing with this issue of lead in the water because the pipes are made out of lead. So the city has put aside a budget of 1.3 million for the next year, and then we're gonna continue um, spending that money. And uh, soon we're gonna have a report uh, that's gonna be presented to council. In fact, I think it's gonna be next week as to uh, which streets are going to be the priorities for the public uh, replacement of the public's portion of the pipes. And then the residents are going to be able to decide on their own if they're going to replace their own private section. In the meantime, people are using the filters and, uh, you know, we're making progress, but uh, it's definitely a major concern in my district. Okay. Now, we're very lucky to have you on council for many reasons. Of course, you're a, you've are you been a lawyer for a long time, and that really helps us around the table. You use your expertise in many ways. You're known for you know being a tenant's rights lawyer for, for many years, but you're a lawyer. And uh, so we're dealing with Bill 96 right now, that terrible language law uh, uh, you know, put, uh, put down by the CAQ. It's being contested by many people. Uh, but you're involved right now in some um, some action on Bill 96. Why don't you tell us what it is? Right. So um, Mitchell Brownstein, the mayor, and Stephen Erdely are, are, are leading the file. But I would like to report, because I do participate, uh, you know, very closely in this uh, discussion, that number one uh, major achievement is that uh, 48 uh, cities that received the notice from the government that uh, they had to renew their eligibility for bill 90 for um, bilingual status um they did it and um it's really because in part we communicated our city communicated with most of them and said look it's really important that we have solidarity amongst the bilingual cities so i'm happy to report that that happened even though all these 48 cities don't have 50% of their population with mother tongue uh, English, including Cote St. Luke. We don't, less than 50% of our residents have mother uh, English as their mother tongue because like me, they were either speaking uh, German or Italian or, or uh, Hebrew or uh, Farsi when uh, they were, you know, what, when they were, you know, in their uh, initial uh, learning stages. So we don't qualify for the 50%, but still we are definitely going to continue being bilingual city. So that's the first thing that we've achieved over the past uh, two months. And then, of course, uh, the mayor and Stephen are working with the other cities to contest Bill 96. And we hope, uh, because um, we're looking for 
participants. And I'm very actively supporting this effort that uh, we should be contesting Bill 96 along with all the other bilingual cities. Uh, you you know, we, we always had a pro mayor in Code St. Luke, uh, rotated uh, throughout the year. Each councillor would get a chance to be the pro mayor for um, a couple of months in the event that the mayor was not able to, you know, be available for meetings or so on and so forth. Uh, this mandate, the council and the mayor decided to create a deputy mayor's position, which I firmly uh, agree with and certainly was thrilled that you were the candidate. And I really have to say, Dita, I, I'm saying it not not just to, you know, just to make uh, pomp and ceremony here. You've done a you've really been a true deputy mayor. You've been at the agglomeration. You've you've uh, you've subbed for the mayor when necessary. You've been you've been involved in so many files. You're at City Hall all the time. How have you enjoyed that opportunity? Well, I think that's really it's really been a great opportunity for me, as you say, uh, to, you know, to be able to uh, to you know, to to contribute and to offer what um, experience and knowledge I have. And uh, it's a segue also for the agglomeration because the yes. agglomeration is a huge, huge dossier. And uh, it's something that I was very familiar with because I was the leader of the majority during the merger years from 2001 to about 2004 um until we we demerged so i was very familiar with montreal and the workings of montreal and i was on the contracts commission for over 10 years so i feel that we need to you know be more uh, forceful with the agglomeration and uh the major problem we had this year was uh that they increased our expenses by 15% i mean inflation went up 6% our local budget went up 3.5%, but the agglomeration increased our, our, our expenses and our cut par, as they call it, our, our contributing share by 15%. So that's a major challenge that we have. And we have to work with the other demerged cities, the ASM, the Association of Suburban uh, Mayors, to, to attack this, this problem. And right now there's a committee that's being formed. I'm closely following this with Angelo Marino, our treasurer, and Jonathan Schechter, our director, and the mayor as well, we're working together to make sure, and Stephen, uh, who was in charge of um, finance, to make sure that we get a fair shake. You know, right now we're really being penalized by the agglomeration, and um, they've done certain things that they shouldn't do. But now apparently we're going to be sitting at a table to to discuss it, and I'm happy to say that Angelo Marino, our, our treasurer, because we insisted is going to be on that uh, uh, around the table. So, you know, this is part of my job as deputy mayor and I'm, I'm very, very pleased that I'm able to do it. Uh, yeah, and we're very lucky to have you doing that. I mean, you know, all your experience, all your years, uh, it's been, you know, it's really a, a very wise choice. Um, so another big topic that we're dealing with this mandate and we've started already, uh, Tanya Abramovich being the lead staff person is our master plan. And you're mm -hmm. very involved in that. What, yeah. what, what would you like to share about the master okay, plan? Okay. So I'm driving that dossier, as you know, it's part of, it's my major portfolio, this mandate. And it's, it's, uh, as you know, I mean, uh, the Cavendish mall, the Coats and Luke shopping center, the DeCary square, they, they all are in a, financial it's delicate right i mean it's not it's you know shopping malls are not doing as well as they used to and they need to redevelop and it's an opportune time for us because if we want to invest 
And all the things that our residents told us they want when we did the consultations, we just did a consultation and we had 1500 respondents. And what do they want? They want more parks, they want bike paths, they want green space, they want uh, you know local uh, plazas and, and more sort of um, activity centers and they want better transit. And uh, to in order to invest in all that, we're going to have to increase our, our tax base. And the only way to do that is clearly by redeveloping these malls. So it works for the developers and it also works for the residents and the citizens of Côte Saint-Louis. And as they say in French, you know, on peut pas faire une omelette sans casser des oeufs. Like obviously you, to make an omelette, you need to break some eggs. So it's going to be a little bit of pain, right? I mean, there's going to be construction, there's going to be renov you know, upgrading of all the infrastructure around these malls. But at the same time, it's it's the future of Code St. Luke. So we're driving this dossier. We've done the consultations. Now we're doing um, meetings with stakeholders and focus groups because we have to talk to the MSB, to the CP, to CPR, to, to uh, uh, all the religious institutions. I mean, we have a lot. You know, we want to get everyone's feedback. And once we get all that feedback, uh, we're going to move forward. So this year is going to be very. Um, it's going to be very interesting and we're going to be able to to give a mandate for a private like a yeah, we have to subcontract the the master plan itself but uh, we're giving them all the input all the content that, that we want in the master plan so that's what I'm driving right now and uh, I'm very pleased that we have uh, we've hired recently we've hired two new members on staff who are going to help us in the negotiations with the with the developers and who are going to help us also draft the master plan. So we're and on people, track. Yeah. So people just need to go to coatsyloop.org slash engage. There's lots to read on the website oh, on yes. that subject. Oh, yeah, yes. Exactly. And, and I have to reiterate that the residents gave us great feedback. It was yeah, very, yeah. Very, very well, that's good. That, that's good to hear. So a couple of more very quick subjects to get your take on. I, I, I should ask you because it's a common problem you and I both have, and that's the trains. Right. Well, as you know, um, CP's position is that we're here to stay. They're not, you know, some residents of Cote St. Luke have said that they want them to move or we should be working on them moving. But we've discussed that with them on numerous occasions. The mayor has had a number of meetings with CP and they're very clear that they're not moving anytime soon. So we have the largest rail yard in uh, in Eastern Canada, right here in Cote St. Luke, we're a city in a rail yard or a rail yard in a city, but uh, we're we're neighbors, and uh, that creates you know conflicts of use because they're operating twenty four seven. They're running more and more trains. They're running longer trains, heavier trains, noisier trains. They're running them at night, as you know, along the Merrimack corridor between uh, District Two and District Three. And we get a lot of complaints. And um, right now there is one resident who's decided to file an uh, official uh, complaint at the um, transport agency. And uh, we're supporting him. We're supporting him all the way. And I hope, the, you know, we should get some, um, you know, uh, results with that. But in the meantime, every time you or I get complaints, we forward it to CP and the community connect uh, office. And then they come back and say, okay, we've made a minor adjustment. I mean, it has, 
in the winter, obviously, it's less intrusive than in the summer. Thank God we have winter. So <laughs> it's like less, less of an annoyance. But in the spring, for sure, we're going to, you know, keep getting those complaints. It's, it's not, it's yeah. not a simple, uh, there's no simple solution. We're, we're, we live very close to the tracks and the tracks yeah. are very busy. Yeah, know. for sure. For sure. So a podcast with Dita Burke wouldn't be complete. I actually, there's two more quick <laughs> subjects before we conclude. One is Meadowbrook. That's how I first met you. That's how you first got involved was Meadowbrook and Collins Park. Those were the two issues I remember. But Meadowbrook, you've been involved in advocating for it to remain green. Yes. Um, and it seems like it's worked because you've been on council for over 30 years and it's still a golf course. Right. Well, I started with Meadowbrook. You're right. I did get involved in coaching loop politics through uh, the, you know, through my support for the protection of Meadowbrook. At the time, I could say that that was 1989, 1990. The arguments I were raising are still valid today. You know, it's on a migratory bird path. Uh, it's uh, the only green space west of Mount Royal, like equidistant between, like if you look at Mount Royal, which is a beautiful green space, east of it is Parc Maisonneuve and west of it is Meadowbrook. So, you know, it's kind of like the mirror uh, image of what could be on the other side because Parc Maisonneuve used to be a golf course and now it's a park. And so it's very much of a mirror image to that. And uh, originally when it was designed uh, and uh, introduced by CP, I mean, it was built for, to, to be a green space. It was, you know, it was meant to be a golf course for the uh, railway workers. So I think that it should remain with its original vocation, which is a green space, whether that's a golf course or other recreational use, uh, we've that's what we've put in our zoning uh, bylaw. And uh, as some people know, I mean, that zoning bylaw was introduced in 2001, just before we merged, and it's been contested, and we're still in the courts because yeah, hard, uh, hard to believe, hard yeah, to believe. Yeah, but it, you know, it's it's still being used, and thankfully, well well used. I mean, we have our golf tournament. Looking forward to it again, Mike. That's we'll right. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, we enjoy it. You know, at least we enjoy it. And well, I have to tell you that golf tournament, you know, since I became a counselor 17 years ago, that's when I started actually golfing. Because right. prior to that, I was like the MC of the banquet and I'd show up at the right. banquet. And right. you know what? I only go there once a year and I haven't gone there, obviously, because of COVID. But my my let's say my love for Meadowbrook, my appreciation has grown because when you spend a couple hours in that golf yeah. course it's and you say, wow, inspiring. this beautiful green space yeah. is in our community. Yeah, you really feel so hopefully there'll be more people that will sign up yeah. for our golf classic next summer and yeah. do that. So my yeah. last my last question to you, Dita, is uh, uh, Cavendish extension. Uh, you know, are we ever going to see it happen, Dita? I think we are. I think we are because we have uh, we have you know reached a very critical stage, which is we are before the bureau d'audience publique uh, de l'environnement. Uh, there's no turning back. It's happening. Uh, the city of Montreal made their application. Uh, we gave them some of our feedback, 
and now they're doing environmental studies. I know that, you know, when the residents here studies, how long can you study this? But uh, we're definitely uh, moving it forward. And uh, in 2024, we should have some announcements to make as to how this is going to proceed. But one thing is sure, and the residents are going to have to, you know, sort of understand this, that it's going to be transit oriented because that's the wave of the future. All the levels of government, they want to invest in rapid transit. So even if it's a rapid bus, a rapid um, tramway, whatever it is, that's going to be the priority. And once that's the priority, you know, you can you can tell people will be able to get uh, the Cavendish Mall and get to the Namur Metro in under five minutes. We'll be able to get to the REM in under 10 minutes. I mean, the way, that's the wave of the future. I was in Israel recently and uh, I took the train from Herzliya to Ben Gurion Airport, which is 24 kilometers. Took me exactly 32 minutes. Wow. You cannot do that in Montreal no, because no. we don't have that rapid transit. Well, when we have it, People will use it. So we have to start thinking, you know, about more modern uh, rapid transit. And of course, we're going to have cars. We're always going to have, well, you know, the room for the cars. But we we also need to think about, you know, using uh, new modern ways of, of moving around. Well, Dita, it was such a pleasure having this chat with you. We speak all the time, but it's so mm-hmm. nice to do it in this format. You're doing a terrific job. We're very lucky to have you. Oh, Thanks thank for you your time. Me. And thank you for doing this, Mike, because it helps us, you know, also focus on, on what's important. So I really appreciate what you're doing. All right. My guest has been City Councillor and Deputy Mayor Dita Berkut.